0: Hello, my name is Thatcher, and you're listening to Rethink Motivation, a podcast where we talk to successful entrepreneurs about breaking through the struggles of starting a business and living a life that matters. Today, we'll chat with public speaker, bestselling author, and sales expert, Bob Berg. Bob also co-authored the international bestselling book, The Go-Giver, which totally rethinks fundamental sales strategy, how you deal with people in business, and even how you approach interactions in day-to-day life. Our conversation today dives into Bob's sales strategy, how you can build a system and methodology for success, and more. It's full of tips and methods that will help your business and your life in ways that you can't even imagine. I'm really excited to share this, so let's dive right in. All right, Bob, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my
1: pleasure, Thatcher. Great to be with you.
0: Yeah, you too. So I wanted to chat with you today because you are doing pretty well right now. You have this awesome personal brand. You have uh, written some amazing books that have done very well. And you consistently land really high quality speaking gigs. So you're kind of in this place where a lot of people, I think, want to end up. So just to start us off, could you tell us uh, what it was that got you where you are today?
1: Sure. Well, I began as a, a broadcaster, first in radio and then television. Uh, when I was 24 and really right out of college, because I took a couple of years off after high school, uh, I landed a job at a very, very small ABC affiliate in the Midwest. Uh, and it was good that it was so small because you had to learn how to do everything, which would would, would come in handy later on as a guest. <laughs> uh, and so uh, but I really wasn't a particularly good newscaster. I wasn't a good uh, journalist. I, in fact, I wasn't a journalist, <laughs> you know, really. I, I, it, I always reminded myself of that, uh, uh, the movie Ghostbusters, where Siorni Weaver said to uh, Bill Murray's character, he said, you look more like a, a game show host. And I think that's probably what I would have been much better at than as a, a newscaster, probably, you know, a game show host. But that wasn't in the card. So I graduated into sales, and I floundered badly for the first few months because I didn't know how to sell. I didn't have a system. I didn't even know there was a system for it. I just, the, the training at the company I was at was negligible at best. And uh, I sort of just thought you knocked on doors, you, you, um, uh, uh, tried to communicate value to people. You talked and talked and talked about the product and how it could help them. And of course, that's not how to effectively sell. But I didn't know that. So I had what, what Jim Rohn, the, the late great speaker, Jim Rohn would say, I was I had the motivation. I didn't have the information. And it's you know you can be very motivated, but unless you know what you're doing, it's it's tough to get anywhere. So I was in a, a bookstore one day, and this is 35, maybe more than 35 years ago now. I was in a bookstore where back then, and many of your listeners might not remember this, but back then, uh, bookstores pretty much were known for having books. As opposed to everything but books, and you know, the you went in there to to learn, and and I was in the business section. I didn't even know there was a sales section; didn't even think about it. But I I was in the business section, and I came across a book uh, with the title "How to Master the Art of Selling." It's by Tom Hopkins, and it soon became a, a an absolute classic in the field. Uh, but I got that book, and I just looking at the title, "How to Master the Art." of selling was very uh, encouraging to me because I didn't realize there was an art to it. Again, I thought you just went in and just talked to as many people as you could, that was it. So uh, I got the book, I studied it, and I mean, I really studied it every night. I would just go through that. I would practice, drill, rehearse, underline, highlight, take notes, I keep practicing. And within three weeks, my sales began to go through the roof. And what's interesting about this is the only difference in in me from where I was three weeks earlier and and now at that point three weeks later was I had a system, a methodology. Uh, I define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key is predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the desired result of of B. And from there, I began to really study sales, and I worked my way up to sales manager of a company, and eventually began to teach others what was working for for me and for my team. And uh, and eventually, it, it sort of morphed into a speaking business.
0: Cool. So uh, I'd love to jump back to uh, to what you said about methodologies. I think you made some really great points that I'd like to to dig a little deeper into. Um, a lot of people, when they're trying to start a business or grow a business from from the beginning, um, can find themselves kind of flailing around and trying all these different ideas and strategies without really having a core methodology that's that's driving them. What can someone do to start developing or adopting a methodology today?
1: Well, the good news is you don't have to create the methodology. The methodology is already out there. Uh, This is finding out what someone who is already successfully doing what you want to be doing, finding out what they've done, and basically duplicating it. there's all, you know, anyone who has anything you want to do, someone has already done it and they've written a book on how to do it, or they're teaching seminars on how to do it, or there are videos, uh, on YouTube or wherever that show how to do it. So the first thing is to, to not try and reinvent the wheel, uh, find the person or find whomever has, is doing it and, and find a way to be able to purchase or, or follow that information. When you do that, you're, you're, putting yourselves nine steps ahead of the game in a 10 step game because there is no, and this was a big mistake of mine when I was younger. I really thought I had to be the one who, if I was going to do something, I had to think, of, have thought of it. And I, frankly, I'm not that smart. And and I, I don't think most people are, some are, uh, but but not I. And so no, we, we don't need to do that. We find out who else has done it and we find a way to be able to, to duplicate that very important.
0: Gotcha. So instead of trying to build a methodology from the ground up, instead maybe look to others uh, to kind of lead by example. Yes,
1: and then that that doesn't mean that you blindly follow everything they're doing and you also want to make sure that what this person's doing that their values are congruent with yours. Okay so you, you don't just follow someone because they've made a lot of money so I'll do exactly what they do and make no you want to make sure that it's it's someone who they have the same morals and values and and ways of doing things and in that it's something that you can feel good about following uh, and then you know it, you, you, you you can question what they're doing, but you also realize that you may not know enough to even know why you're questioning it. So you get it, there's sort of a little bit of a, a tug in, that, in that, that way. By and large, you want to follow the basic principles that they're sharing. And then once you get to a point where you're proficient enough at doing that, then you can sort of break the rules a little bit. But at first, you know, you basically want to follow what's working, uh, even if you don't know exactly why that is. Again, though, you, you, the, you've you got to always question and, and make sure you're, you're doing that correctly.
0: Yeah, and thanks for making that clarification. Uh, I do think that's a good point, that you shouldn't necessarily just blindly follow the first person who's doing something somewhat related to what you want to achieve. It's definitely worth doing the research before you start uh, really, really following in someone's footsteps. So moving along here, Bob, I'd love to talk about your book, The Go-Giver. And talk about the kind of principles that it, it stands for. And it sounds like those principles have kind of guided your own sales strategy and how you approach business in general. So could you just kind of tell us uh, a little bit about those, those principles from The Go-Giver and how you've adopted those into your own business and life?
1: And that's a great question, and the, the really the, the, the basic principle or the, the premise of the story, and it was co-authored with John David Mann, who's a fantastic storyteller. It's a, it's a business parable, a, a business fable that we teamed up on, and um, really the premise is that shifting one's focus, and that's really where it begins, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a pleasant way to live life, but a very financially profitable way as well. Uh, Not for any mystical or magical reasons, you know, just do good things and things will come. No, not not that at all. It's that in a a free market-based economy, and and while we're not totally free market, uh, not nearly as much as we should be a free market economy, we still basically have to conduct our business that way in which uh, no one's forced to buy from us, right? So uh, that's what really a free market is. It's people willingly deciding to, to uh, buy, sell, trade uh, with each other. And so because no one's forced to buy from you, you must focus on pleasing them. You must focus on providing value to them in such a way that they recognize that value and they make a choice to, to purchase that value from you. Uh, You know, in exchange for money or whatever it happens to be. And so that's why that shift of focus works. You know, nobody, and I I often say this when I speak at a a sales conference, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money and they're not going to buy from you because you really believe in your product and just think it would be really good for them to have. They're going to buy from you only if, only when they believe the benefits of, their, benefits of your product or service will help them in such a way that they're better off by having your product or service than they are having the money that they would have to exchange for that.
0: Okay, gotcha. So it sounds like value is just incredibly important and uh, value should really be at the core of your, of your sales strategy. So if someone's stuck in the mentality of taking and getting, how can they shift into the mindset of uh, giving and providing value? Well, it starts just by understanding why it's
1: helpful to do that. Because if you're the type of person who's, who's really just focused on, okay, I got to get the sale and, you know, whatever it takes, I just got to, you know, you go in there to, get that person to give you their money and it's a, well, you know, unless you, if, if that's what you've been doing, then unless you understand why it's actually more beneficial to you to shift your focus, you won't do it. You'll keep doing what you're doing. So the first thing is to ask yourself, how's it working for you right now? If this is what you're doing, how's it working for you to, to be focused just on, you know, getting their money or making the sale? Probably it's not working that well because most customers, clients don't want to buy from people. Uh, that way. Okay. And so, so first is understand why it's important. Then it's just, it's just putting yourself in the mindset of, of shifting that focus. It's saying, okay, not what can I get, but what can I give? And when I say give, that doesn't mean you give things away for free. That's not what this is about. Go-givers make a really great uh, profit. They typically are at the higher end of this, of the, uh, uh, of the price, uh, level for their product or service, because they're so great at focusing on providing value to others, uh, which separates you from the competition. Uh, but that's what you need to really do. You need to ask yourself, how does my product or service add significant value to that, to my, my prospect, to my avatar, if you will? You know, the, the person who buys from you, what do they find to be of value in what I sell? Because it's not a matter of, of why we think it's of value. Uh, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. So what we need to do is is have a meeting with ourselves or our team or do whatever or situation we're in whatever the context and ask okay what is it that we really bring to the table just first inherently through our product or service what does it do for someone what not what is it but what does it really help someone accomplish what what problems does it solve what joy does it provide what you know whatever it is you do then a great idea is to ask your customers especially your really good customers or If you're just starting out to ask people who might be your customers, what is it about this and what is it about? me, if they know you, that, that you feel that we really bring to the table that makes it worthwhile for you to do business with us? What is it about us? What is, is it about the value that we bring to the table that's special to you? And the reason why it's important to ask your customers this, especially your, your good customers who you know really love you, is because we tend to, as human beings, see the world from our own unique viewpoint, our belief system based on upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies. We, all, we have a special way, our individual way of seeing the world. Uh, We see a lot of subjective truths, okay? Uh, But that doesn't mean it's the truth, and it certainly doesn't mean it's the other person's truth. So when we ask our customers the value they find in the widget that we sell or or in doing business with us specifically and why, they're going to give us answers that are oftentimes different from what we think they're going to be. And that puts us in a much better position to understand the mindset of our potential customer.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, I think assuming what the customer wants is really easy to do, and it's kind of a form of laziness. Uh, and instead of instead of making those assumptions, we really should put in that front end work to to do the due diligence to understand the person we're conducting business with, and really understand what it is that they actually want. You know, And there's times we can do that work in advance,
1: and to the degree that we can, that's terrific, just like you said, and we need to do that. Uh, we also, though, need to be able to ask questions during the sales presentation, ask questions and listen, so that we really get to understand what this person wants, and, and, and that makes a huge difference. And that person who, in the first phase of the sales process, can discover what it is that person wants – now that puts you in a great position to be able to help this person. Uh, Harry Brown, one of my old mentors, just a a great guy who who has since passed, um, he uh, used to say, you know, salespeople always ask, well, how can I motivate my prospect to buy? And first he'd say, well, you can't. You can't motivate anyone to do anything. But you don't even have to motivate them to buy. They are already motivated. Your job is to discover what they're motivated by. And once you do that, and if you're, the benefits of your product or service connect with what they're already motivated by, you have yourself a sale.
0: Okay, interesting. That's, uh, that's a cool way of thinking about motivation. So in the context of selling, you're not necessarily trying to motivate someone to buy, but you're trying to uncover the motivations that already exist and then leverage them. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, you can't
1: motivate. Generally, you might be able to inspire certain people to do certain things at times, but but basically what he's saying is uh, you can't really motivate them to buy. They either are motivated or they're not, and they probably are. It's just a question of what they're motivated by.
0: So can this philosophy of giving and providing value that we talked about earlier, can that be used in any business model, any type of business?
1: Yeah, I have never found one that it, it couldn't be. Uh, and it, it's always, uh, the only time it would not apply is if it's not a free market based situation. In other words, if it's a matter of, uh, cronyism, you know, where, uh, 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 you know, uh, someone's bought special favors from government through uh, donating to their campaign or other goodies or something, and people are forced to buy. Well, then no, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to add value. Uh, it's uh, it, 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 it's a, a situation where people are forced. But that's not a free market situation. This, this holds in a free market-based environment where people are not forced to do business with one another, to buy from one another. Uh, they do it because both parties feel that they will profit through this mutually beneficial exchange.
0: Okay, yeah. So for people listening, um, it sounds like this will apply to pretty much any venture that you're going to be starting for the most part, I would assume. Uh, whether that's an e-commerce site or a personal brand you're trying to build, um, anything like that, this will definitely work. Uh, so Bob, I want to move into some quicker, kind of more fun questions, uh, like bite-sized Questions. The first one is What are you telling yourself? What's your internal dialogue like before you enter a high pressure situation?
1: Well, if it's something meaningful to me, then I am nervous beforehand. Um, There's, you know, people who say they aren't, and I, I, you know, believe some people aren't, but I think most people are. Uh, So, yeah, I'm nervous about it. But if I'm prepared, Then I uh, feel confident. You know, you you can feel confident and nervous at the same time. You're nervous because you're keyed up. It's like before a ball game or or something. You know, you have those that 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 kind of the butterflies in the stomach. Um, If you're if you're prepared, then the butterflies will probably be flying in formation as opposed to all over the place. And so I think there's before I go into a a a stressful situation, if you will, uh, I think I'm probably a combination of nervous and confident.
0: Yeah, I love that butterfly analogy. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that was uh I didn't make that up. That's that's a uh, that's an old one.
1: <laughs> Again, I'm not that clever. I have very few original thoughts.
0: <laughs> well, still, thanks for sharing that. That would, I I love it, whether you said it or not. So now I'd love to move into a question I love to ask people and I'm really excited to hear your answer. What is it that motivates you to do great work and what was the driving force behind you putting so much effort and, and time and, and energy into building your personal brand to where it is today?
1: Oh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, Well, first, it was just making a living. Is is you know that was that was the first thing. That was the survive uh, mechanism. Um, But as I started to grow in in sales and grow in life, I think I got to see that that again. There doesn't have to be a dichotomy between doing well for yourself and putting your focus on serving others. And I remember a uh, uh, one of the places where I was a salesperson. It was probably my first big sales job. It wasn't that first one, but it was an, it was another one, the one where I, I eventually became sales manager. Uh, but I was a, a field salesperson at the time. And I remember coming back to the office um, after an unsuccessful sale, and there was a guy who was there. He was, I and I, I don't even know his name, but he was retiring from the company, and he wasn't in sales. I think he was an engineer, but he he, I think he looked at me as someone with a lot of potential, but still didn't quite have his 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 head in the right place. And and he, I remember him saying to me, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in business, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, don't have making money as the target. The target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. The reward will be money. And you can do with that money whatever you'd like. But the money is not the target itself. The money is simply the reward for hitting the target. The target is serving others. And that really hit me. And it was something that helped me to really change my focus and understand what selling was really truly about. It wasn't about making the sale. It was about helping to bring value to other people. And then when you do that the result is that you make money
0: yeah that's such a that's such a big shift in thinking um going from that mentality of oh my goal is to make money which for you know basically everyone that is your goal you ultimately want to make money when you're thinking about starting a business or offering services but um i think that's exactly right if you if you focus on value as your primary objective, the money will come because you're gonna offer a service or a product that people actually want because you you really spent time focusing on creating something that's worthwhile. Awesome. I think there are a lot of people out there who find themselves doing something that they're not in love with uh, or they're not at a place where they feel they're using their full potential. Uh, they know that they're capable of doing more and being better But they're just not there yet and you know that could be for any number of reasons maybe they just haven't found that driving force that you had early on Um, they haven't really found something that clicked whatever the reason is what would be your advice for people who haven't quite found their momentum and they haven't found that motivation to to do great things and start building something that really makes a difference
1: well, I think some introspection is is called for in that case um, because really you've got to ask what does what does motivate you? What does get you out of bed? What does drive you? What makes you feel good? Uh, and when you think of it, and Abraham Hicks uh, 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 talks about this uh, – I'm trying to think of her first name, but uh, Mrs. Hicks uh, in their books um, – Esther Hicks and they talk a lot about, you know, the most important thing is to feel good. I mean, and that doesn't mean when I say feel good, that doesn't mean, you know, get drunk or high or do something, you know, just for a momentary pleasure. No, it's feel good about yourself. And when you can, when you can know what makes you feel good and you do that thing. Well, you're going to feel good about it. So what's that going to do? It's going to help motivate you even more. And when it helps you and when it motivates you even more to continue doing the thing that makes you feel good, you're going to feel good and that's going to motivate you even more. So I would say you've got to find what that is that you really enjoy. Now it doesn't mean you can't do things right now that you don't enjoy, and still appreciate the opportunity that it, affor- that it affords you to, you know, to survive and to to do what you have to do to put put uh, food on the table. But at the same time, it is it it is a, a terrific thing to ask. What is it that brings me so much joy that I would just love to do something like this for the rest of my life? And and that's where you want to go. And of course, it's not just a matter of finding deciding what you love and then doing it. You know, there's that old saying uh, follow your passion or do what you love and, and the money will follow. Well, that's partly true, but it's not totally true. Uh, by all means, doing, you'll do much better if what you're doing is something you really love and are passionate about. But you can be passionate about something and if you cannot find a way to bring it to market in such a way that people will pay for it, you're just going to have a, a hobby. So what you've gotta do is take what you really love, what brings you joy, and find a way to connect that with the needs, wants, or desires of the marketplace. And when you can do that, now you've got your, your business.
0: Yeah, that's kind of just a surefire formula for a successful business. Nice, definitely gonna keep that in mind. So Bob, we've talked about a lot of stuff today, but if you could condense it down into one thing that people should remember, to make a big difference in their business and life, what would that be? Oh, you know, it's a it, it's a great question.
1: And I, I think it goes back to, to maybe two things. And that is uh, again determining what you want to do, as you were just talking about, finding what that what you what you really are passionate about, and then learning how to do it from someone who has done it. So don't try and reinvent the wheel, learn the system, learn and follow the system, and then make sure your focus is in the right place. your, Your focus needs to be on providing value to the marketplace, which doesn't mean making money isn't important, it is. It's just that the best way to make a lot of money is to focus on providing value to the marketplace. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, which simply means the value must come first. That's where the focus must be. The value must come first, and the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided.
0: Yeah, and I love that quote, money is an echo of value. Definitely going to write that one down. Um, So Bob, where can people find out more about you, your books, and just connect with you in general?
1: Best thing to do would just be to visit my website, which is Berg, B-U-R-G, dot com. And while they're there, they can subscribe to my influence and success insights. They'll be able to uh, get chapter one of The Go Giver and uh, Go Givers Sell More uh, and Adversaries into Allies. Uh, they can also connect with me on social media. Again, right from that homepage, they can visit my blog. So there's a whole bunch of goodies there. So come to Berg.com and Hang around and have some fun. And thank you, Thatcher, so much for having me on the show. You're a terrific host, and I know you're doing some great things, and I'm looking forward to really following your progress throughout the years.
0: You're far too kind. Uh, I really appreciate those words. Thank you, Bob. And thank you for coming on today. I wish you all the best. Thanks for sticking around and listening to that episode with Bob Berg. I definitely feel like I learned a lot about sales and about dealing with customers and yeah, that was a really cool talk. So thank you, Bob. If you want to learn more about what we talked about today, head over to rethinkmotivation.com, and you can find all the other episodes, uh, the show notes for those episodes. You can sign up for my weekly motivational newsletter and if you want, you can get in touch with me. Also, if you like this episode, please consider giving it a review Uh, It helps a ton. It helps the show grow, and I would really, really appreciate it. And other than that, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.